BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is The Heart of Healthcare, and I'm your host, Hallie Tecco. One thing you may not know about me is that I'm a parent to an amazing five-year-old, but I would not be a mother today without in vitro fertilization, or IVF. I am very infertile, and we went through many, many years of fertility treatments and experienced 11 losses but I'm quite lucky that it worked even just once because many people walk away after tens of thousands of dollars and many invasive procedures without the child they dreamed of. I've spent years trying to understand the fertility industry and how we can make it better, and I've made a few investments in this space. Today, I wanted to share an article I wrote for Fortune magazine titled Eight Reasons Fertility Care is Utterly Broken. Actually, the title they ultimately went with was Seven Reasons Due to Word Count Limits. But today, I'm going to read you the full version of Eight Reasons Fertility Care is Utterly Broken. IVF has come a long way since the first IVF baby, Louise Joy Brown, was born in 1978. 30 years ago, your chances of bringing home a baby with each IVF try was just 5%. Today, that number is around one-third, depending on your age. While this is an impressive improvement, the fact is the majority of patients will not go home with a baby after an invasive, emotional, and expensive round of IVF. There's still much progress to be made. But it goes beyond IVF, which is out of reach for many people facing infertility. The entire fertility care system is broken. In what we call the iron triangle of healthcare, access, cost, and quality, fertility care fails each point. It's not accessible. It costs too much. And the treatment outcomes are dismal. Let's dive in. First, treatment for infertility is seen as elective, forcing most patients to go into debt to have a baby. Something that's uncomfortable to talk about is how much money I've spent to become a parent. I would not have a child if we didn't have this money, an uncomfortable truth that does not sit well with me. Unlike care for other medical conditions, society sees infertility as elective, and thus treatment is not universally covered by insurance. My current health plan 
has a lifetime max of $2,000, which doesn't even cover the cost of the drug Lupron, which is often used in ovarian stimulation. Unfortunately, 70% of patients who undergo IVF go into debt, and about 80% have hardly any or no coverage. Not an ideal low-stress way to start a pregnancy. Not only does lack of health insurance coverage mean patients often have to pay out of pocket, but it also means we don't benefit from lower rates that health plans can typically negotiate. One Kaiser Family Foundation report found that the average out-of-pocket cost per successful outcome of IVF was $61,377. That is the going rate to have a child when you can't. The second reason fertility care is utterly broken is that usually treatment doesn't work. Did you know there's a pill they prescribe you to help you get pregnant? Many patients start with the fertility treatment medications Clomid, Clomiphene, Citrate, or Femara, which is Letrozole. But the chances of a live birth from these drugs aren't great. According to one study, it's just 23.3% for Clomid and 18.7% for Letrozole. Once that fails, many move on to three or even four cycles of intrauterine insemination, IUI, affectionately referred to by patients as the turkey baster method. But the chances of this working are even more dismal. Across all patients undergoing IUI, the live birth rates per cycle are around 5 to 15%. If IUI doesn't work, and it doesn't for most, you then move on to the big enchilada IVF, if you can afford it. For IVF, the chances that the first egg retrieval and transfer will result in a live birth are pretty discouraging. For women my age, 38 to 40, it's 19.4%. It's higher. For women under 30, it's 38.4%. But for women 41 to 42, it's 9.9%, and it goes down to 3.1% for women over 43. If you were going to buy anything else for over $20,000 and there was just a one in five chance that you'd actually receive it, would you spend the money? The third reason fertility care is utterly broken is that there aren't enough fertility specialists. If you have the money, and if you're okay with the staggeringly low success rates, your hurdles still aren't over. With under 500 clinics across the country, an estimated 18 million women of reproductive age live in locations without access. The one in eight women experience infertility Just 38% of American women with fertility problems who hadn't previously given birth to a live baby ever even used infertility services, presumably for many because they couldn't access them. There are simply not enough specialists to meet the growing demand for fertility treatments, resulting in long wait lines, inability to access care entirely, and unfulfilled dreams of growing a family. To compare, there are 7,142 active plastic surgeons in the U.S., but only 1,300 board-certified reproductive endocrinologists. In a field where every passing month and year matters, 
This shortage is failing many Americans. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The fourth reason fertility care is utterly broken is that there's too much focus on the female. Due to century-old stigmas and misconceptions about infertility, too often the woman is the sole focus of fertility treatment, despite the fact that equal numbers of males in infertile hetero partnerships are the reason for infertility as females. But a quick search on PubMed shows 8,700 articles for female infertility and just 5,500 for male fertility an imbalance indicative of how many of us patients feel at the clinic. The fact is, reproductive endocrinologists, REIs, aka fertility doctors, are trained OBGYNs first. REI is a subspecialty in that field. Starting from this point, more of their training is focused on treating females, which may be why it seems some doctors are more inclined to treat the female first before acknowledging the male's potential role in the issue. Men need to be more considered in the process as they're often not educated on how to participate and are sometimes ignored entirely outside of obtaining a sperm sample. At the same time, we need to push for more women's voices in roles that matter within the fertility industry. For example, as of the writing of this piece, all of the US fertility board members are men. This is the largest physician-owned, physician-led partnership of top fertility practices across the country. What does this say about women's role in their own fertility? It's in the hands of men. The fifth reason fertility care is utterly broken is that racial inequalities persist. There is evidence that Black and Hispanic patients are much less likely to seek care than white patients despite having higher rates of infertility. And for those who do seek care, they're often met with discrimination at the clinic. Some doctors brush off Black women's concerns, assuming they can get pregnant easily. Doctors sometimes spend more time preaching contraception than conception tools, and even overstep to the point of talking people out of having children. Like elsewhere in our healthcare system, the outcome disparities for Black patients are dismal and devastating. One study found that Black women had a 33% lower chance of pregnancy and nearly double the miscarriage rates during IVF than white mothers. Additionally, early and meaningful education for Black women is a must, as is improved treatment times for those who experience a delay in treatments for uterine fibroids and other conditions. It's a medically documented phenomenon that Black patients sometimes get more detailed and personalized care from Black doctors. But the shortage of Black doctors in the fertility space prevents patients and couples from finding a doctor they trust at times, as only 5% of all physicians are Black. 
Researchers have concluded that extensive policy reform is a necessity to improve the fertility treatment process for everyone and that it's time to make actual changes and not just highlight the disparities. The sixth reason fertility care is utterly broken is that the heteronormative framing makes it harder for LGBTQ family building. LGBTQ parents face additional barriers in gaining coverage because the definitions often preclude them from qualifying. For example, some states mandate coverage for iatogenic infertility, meaning infertility caused by a medical procedure like chemotherapy. But it's unclear if they will count fertility caused by gender-affirming care that results in infertility. Additionally, some states have IVF guidelines that mandate the couple's own egg and sperm be used, which excludes same-sex couples. Legislation is still pending to ensure everyone has access to fertility care, and some of former President Donald Trump's eliminated protections are being contested in Supreme Court for discrimination. The seventh reason fertility care is utterly broken is that it takes too long to diagnose major reproductive conditions. Many trying to conceive women have been told by a well-meaning aunt or stranger not to wait. Your clock is ticking. While it's not ticking as quickly as once thought, time actually is of the essence. Endometriosis, a condition of the uterus lining that 30 to 50% of infertile women experience, can take up to 10 years to diagnose. This sometimes happens because both patients and physicians write off symptoms as evidence of some other disease or misdiagnose pain as simply bad periods. Polycystic ovary syndrome, known as PCOS, the leading cause of infertility, causes the ovaries to produce abnormal levels of male sex hormones, sometimes resulting in cysts, takes up to two years and multiple doctors to diagnose. This is time that trying to conceive parents simply don't have. Additionally, the standard of care is that for couples under 35, they're instructed to try to conceive every month for a year before seeing a specialist. And if you're over 35, that timeline is shortened to six months. Though 92% and 82% respectively will conceive within a year, for the 8 and 18% who don't, that can feel like a wasted year without answers. And the final reason that fertility care is utterly broken is that we totally ignore the mental health toll. Couples going through infertility often call it the most trying time of their life. Research has shown that women with infertility have the same levels of anxiety and depression as women with cancer or HIV. Yet mental health care is not part of the treatment path. Ironically, a low-stress environment is the optimal condition to conceive and carry a healthy pregnancy, and research connects lowering levels with higher chances of pregnancy. Mental health care as a standard aspect of infertility treatment is missing. And once a family has a baby, that trauma doesn't always resolve automatically, and follow-up care can be necessary after months or years of infertility struggles. But this testing is reserved for postpartum mothers, and not all mothers who experience loss, 
such as first trimester miscarriage, are screened for postpartum depression thoroughly. But it doesn't have to be this way. Okay, here's a starting recipe for improving fertility care. Healthcare plans should cover fertility treatments like any other medical condition, enabling more people to receive care. But we can't do that without the specialists. We need more fertility fellowships to train a larger, more diverse group of REIs. And we must invest more resources to further understand the role of male fertility in the equation. Funding for equitable care, including fertility clinics, infertility care deserts, could help expand increased access for all. And of course, this should come with mental health care being mandatorily offered alongside fertility treatments. Most importantly, society, including legislators, medical providers, family members, and employers must stand behind couples seeking fertility care however they can to make meaningful and lasting change. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Heart of Healthcare. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. The Heart of Healthcare is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our host is Hallie Tecco. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com.